0: you are about to be angry your day possibly ruined but someone spread this mind poison to me and now it is my job to spread it to you and that is because according to fox news 13 utah cranberry and pickle pie is a thing that exists which i don't know how to explain why but it feels like a hate crime somehow understand i say this as the man that did try watermelon and mustard This should not exist. In addition to people memeing about this, there were a lot of responses from people that said they were from Utah. Many people saying, I've lived here for so long. I've never seen this. Then others saying things like, no, my grandma makes it. It's a thing. Which I say, your grandma is probably lovely, but maybe we get rid of her. So yeah. That's a thing, but hey, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want cranberry pickle pie to be in the trash forever. And actually, just right before we jump into it, one last quick reminder. If you want to get an awesome present for yourself, someone you care about, or you just need to do something on your phone to avoid conversations with your family this Thanksgiving, head on over to BeautifulBastard.com, get in on the exclusive Beautiful Bastard Drop amazing lineup this year. All of this awesome can be yours right now, but it's all going away in a few days, so hit it get it. Now, with that said, let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing we're going to talk about today in entertainment news, we should talk about the Grammys making headlines, of course, uh, for both nominations and the controversies. With the lighter things, covering things like Jay-Z now becoming the most nominated artist in the show's history. Receiving three nominations yesterday, bringing his grand total to 83, breaking the previous tie that he held with Quincy Jones at 80. Tony Bennett becoming the oldest person to be nominated in one of the primary general field categories at the Grammys. John Batiste getting the most nominations this year with 11. Olivia Rodrigo getting seven nominations, also making her the second youngest person to ever be nominated in all big four categories, right? Song, record, album, and new artists. But then on the more controversial backlash, big social conversation, we had stories like Marilyn Manson and Louis C.K., with people noting and angry about them getting nominations this year despite the fact that they had previously been accused of some sort of sexual misconduct or assault. Manson nominated for his appearance on Kanye West, Donda, Louis C.K. for Best Comedy Album. Tons of people wondering why people with these kinds of accusations are getting honored at such a prestigious level. And actually, you had the CEO of the Recording Academy, Harvey Mason Jr., addressing the controversy when the rap asked him specifically about Manson's nomination, he said, we won't restrict the people who can submit their material for consideration. We won't look back at people's history, we won't look at their criminal record, we won't look at anything other than the legality within our rules of, is this recording for this work eligible based on date and other criteria? If it is, they can submit for consideration. Then, also adding, what we will control is our stages, our shows, our events, our red carpets. We'll take a look at anyone who is asking to be a part of that, asking to be in attendance, and we'll make our decisions at that point. But we're not going to be in the business of restricting people from submitting their work for our voters to decide on. It's also worth noting that that is is not where the controversy ends. With there being a big conversation happening on social media about Dave Chappelle getting nominated right after facing his massive controversy, but also you have people noting that it's not the special, the closer that's been nominated, but rather the special 846, which of course was Chappelle's quickly turned around special after the George Floyd murder. But honestly, all of this sparked so many different threads of conversations and debates. It's hard to just kind of pinpoint on one. So I do want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding any of this? One, separate from if cancel culture should be a thing or not, is cancel culture even real for artists and comedians? I saw one comedian, Daniel Sloss recently who argued that there's really not such a thing as cancel culture for comedians it's essentially just like getting free press But all these people who maybe never knew who you were or weren't going to go watch your special or like oh well what did that guy say and all the people that wouldn't have watched you in the first place they go ah oh, fuck that guy and then all of a sudden all the people that go hey i like what he's saying now they have new followers but also separate from that what are your thoughts around harvey mason jr whose argument is essentially we have to separate the artist from the art which when it comes to celebrities and musicians especially not a new argument but a resurfacing of that argument. The main thing here, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And then, let's definitely talk about this news that touches on business, the future of commerce, shopping, and all of that kind of merging with what you already know on social media. Right, so the big latest news is that Twitter is hosting its first shopping live stream on November 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, which will make it the latest social media platform to embrace this trend of combining shopping and streaming. It's called the Cyber Deals Sunday Stream. It's a collaboration with Walmart, and it's gonna be hosted by musician-turned-social-media star Jason Derulo. <laughs> described as a 30-minute variety show that will feature electronics, home goods, apparel, seasonal decor, surprise, special guests, and much more. With all that, participants will be able to shop for Walmart items through Twitter and other platforms including Walmart's own website, the retailer's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube account. And like I've mentioned before, this QVC-style shopping experience with influencers and integrated shopping links is something that we've seen other platforms trying out as well. I mean, Walmart specifically testing live shopping formats for about a year on its website and other platforms including TikTok. Earlier this month, we saw Meta's Facebook announce a test of a live shopping for creators feature, Pinterest debuting a live shopping series called Pinterest TV, and how even YouTube expanded its live stream shopping feature with a week-long shopping event that just wrapped up called YouTube Holiday Stream and Shop, which had its own impressive creator lineup that included Gordon Ramsay, Jackie Ina, Mr. Bees, Patrick Starr, and others. But uh, a big thing I want to hit on, if I was a betting man, and I am, I-, I believe that this is part of the future. You have places like Bloomberg reporting that Gen Z consumers are increasingly shifting away from traditional e-commerce retailers towards making purchases via social media. And really, if you want to see the future of what is going to happen here in some aspects, you just look to China. This format has existed there for a while now, but the numbers coming out most recently are insane. You people like Austin Lee, Jachi, a top live stream salesman who rose to fame by selling lipstick. He set a record in October by selling nearly, I'm not saying this with an M, I'm saying it with a B, selling nearly $2 billion worth of goods during a 12 and a half hour stream that was part of a shopping event for the e-commerce giant Alibaba. And in a 14 and a half hour stream for the same event that same day, we saw another top live streamer known as Weya sell about $1.3 billion worth of goods. Money moves mountains and here in the West through these tests, even if we see a fraction of that success there's just gonna be more and more money thrown into this industry hell by this time next year it wouldn't be surprising if instead of me just saying hey go to beautifulbastard.com look at these still images we turn it into some one to three hour live stream game show walk the runway sort of thing but yeah ultimately time will tell if this is a good Or bad take for me, but uh, in the meantime, I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Also, while we're talking about the future of entertainment, I I mentioned his name a second ago, Mr. Beast. uh, Today is essentially going to be Mr. Beast Day. today's show is on time, Mr. Beast is going to be dropping his $3.5 million Squid Game video at around the same time. Sharing some photos of the unthinkable insanity on social media this morning and just... Wow. This feels like the YouTube creator equivalent of dropping a movie on Thanksgiving weekend. I think one, this event is highlighting where online entertainment with homegrown talent can and will continue to go. And two, more specifically around Mr. Beast, I I think it is the further confirmation. Uh, Alexis Ohanian uh, tweeted this earlier. It's fascinating to me that this is one of the most powerful brands and communities in the world right now, and most people have no idea. Institutions are already toppled and don't even realize it. But from that, I want to take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Vessi. Honestly, it's hard to find lightweight shoes that actually keep your feet warm and dry through rain, snow, mud, and Bessie did it again with their brand new sneaker, the Everyday Move, and I love them. If you didn't already know, Bessie makes 100% waterproof and snowproof sneakers that are incredibly comfortable, breathable, and actually pretty stylish, which is why they're good for running errands, hitting the gym, going to the park with the kids, or even muddy hikes. And the new Everyday Sneaker still has their Dymotex material and a dual-climate knit, keeping you cool in the summer and warm in the winter. It's for the explorer looking to take activities up a notch or just for the sportier look. The Everyday Move has a silhouette inspired by the natural movement of water designed to get you moving. So if you want the feeling of walking on cloud, just go to Vessi.com slash right now and be sure to use code DeFranco to get some of their best deals and to check out all of their amazing offers. Definitely grab some now while they still have your size and you'll be thanking me later. Also, in other news, kind of going back to China and influencer news, uh, some really weird news. You know, being famous is often considered to have a lot. Of perks. But if you are a Chinese celebrity, things just got a lot harder. And that's because the CAC, the Cyberspace Administration of China, just released a new set of rules to regulate celebrities, their fandoms, and advertisements revolving around them. With the CAC claiming that celebrities and their fans create chaos and promote extravagant pleasure, saying that many celebrities embodied abnormal aesthetics and have eroded mainstream values. The new rules, including things like a ban on nearly every fan run page, only fan pages run by professional celebrity agents will be allowed. On top of that, the number of times celebrities or their works or products can appear on web pages will be limited. With the CAC also also ordering authorities to conduct real-time monitoring on celeb accounts, although analysts think that watching everyone and every account will be difficult even in China. Although, just the idea that they're being watched could cause a chilling effect on the industry and force people into line. Additionally, local authorities are to create watch lists of celebrities they think are promoting undesirable values, which, in the past, Beijing has made clear that means things like effeminate men or promoting non-socialist values. And understand, all these crackdowns have been an organized effort by President Xi to quote, reform China's social values. And to that end, it's likely not a coincidence that right around the time these rules came out, dozens of Chinese internet personalities, and three traditional celebs were hit by another band wave by the China Association of Performing Arts, with them accused of bad behavior, creating a negative social impact, or violating laws, the ban largely blacklisting them from television and film, and even forbidding them from engaging in platforms like Douyin, which is China's TikTok. And from a strategic standpoint, for the fuckheads in the Communist Party, this all just makes sense. A large part of culture is impacted and moved by celebrity, is impacted by pop culture. But controlling that is another way to control the population, which is why even though I know my words will not end up in China, I, I always use my Freedom in these stories to say fuck the Chinese Communist Party and she, you Winnie the Pooh looking piece of shit. And then we have to talk about how a federal jury in Cleveland yesterday agreed to three of the country's biggest pharmacy chains. We're talking CVS Health, Walgreens, and Walmart are all responsible for contributing to the opioid crisis in two Ohio counties. Notably, this is the first time that the retail arm of the drug industry has been held accountable for opioid overdoses and deaths. Right, previously we've mainly only talked about Purdue Pharma and Johnson and Johnson, which actually just escaped opioid fines in Oklahoma earlier this month. And in addition to that, this is also the first time we've seen a jury voting in a major opioid lawsuit. So in the wake of that big J&J loss, many plaintiffs in thousands of similar lawsuits all across the country are seeing this as an optimistic sign. Especially since most of them are using the same argument that either opioid manufacturers or retailers created a public nuisance by turning a blind eye to countless red flags that ultimately harmed communities by creating a deadly public health crisis. However, unsurprisingly, all three chains have promised to appeal this verdict. And there is precedent to think that this decision could be overturned. For example, that J&J lawsuit that I mentioned a moment ago, they successfully used the public nuisance argument in lower courts, but During an appeal, the Oklahoma Supreme Court thought that the plaintiff's argument was too broad. That said, every state has different public nuisance laws, so there may not be a clear-cut answer as to what actually happens with all these cases. But what we do know here is that the judge overseeing the Ohio trial will make a determination on how much these companies must pay after additional hearings in the spring. And given that the retail arm has largely avoided settling, it's going to be very interesting to see how much they're faulted here, and if they decide in the future that settling is the safer option than going to trial. And then we should talk about a massive update around that deadly Charlottesville Unite the Right rally that happened back in 2017. And that is because a jury has now found that its organizers are responsible for the disaster, agreeing that more than a dozen of the nation's most prominent white supremacists and hate groups conspired to intimidate, harass, or commit acts of violence during the event. As you might remember, the event began as a protest over the removal of a Confederate statue, but it quickly got out of hand. We saw things like white supremacists walking around carrying torches while chanting things like, White Lives Matter and Jews Will Not Replace Us. Ultimately, one woman was even hit and killed by a neo-Nazi plowing a car through a crowd of counter-protesters. Notably, the driver of that car was also later convicted of murder for killing her. And all of that leads us to the. lawsuit, and wow, it was something. According to the Washington Post, the scene in the courtroom often veered into the bizarre. Reportedly, you had some defendants representing themselves, meaning they got to directly question and bully their victims. On top of that, we saw defendants dropping the N-word, expressing admiration for Hitler and peddling racist pseudoscience. During one moment, one of the defendants even asked his co-defendant to tell his favorite Holocaust joke. And reportedly, it wasn't just the defendants. Their lawyers even pulled similar moves, with one repeatedly using a Jewish slur around one of the attorneys who is Jewish and wears a Star of David necklace, with the Post noting that it appeared to be in hopes of desensitizing the jury. Though, as I mentioned earlier, that ultimately failed. In the end, jurors agreed that the event's organizers have to fork over more than $25 million in damages for injuries to counter protesters, including four people who were injured by that car, with about 12 million of those damages directly against the driver of that car. However, the jury was unable to come to a decision regarding the two federal conspiracy charges. Still, though, you had an attorney for the victims calling yesterday's outcome a resounding verdict, and adding in a statement that the verdict sends a loud and clear message that facts matter. The law matters and that the laws of this country will not tolerate the use of violence to deprive racial and religious minorities of the basic right we all share to live as free and equal citizens. But the situation is not completely over. With another lawyer for the plaintiffs saying they intend to refile those two conspiracy lawsuits and adding, we intend to get a verdict on those counts. Then, in absolutely massive news that broke while I was recording today's show, the three men who killed Ahmad Arbery back in February of 2020 have now been found guilty of felony murder. They, of course, tried to claim self-defense under an old Civil War era citizen's arrest statute. There's been a long road to this verdict as you might remember they were initially not arrested for his murder until a video of Arbery's killing was uploaded to the internet in may of last year and honestly if it wasn't for that video justice likely would not have been served today and more specifically travis mcmichael was convicted of malice murder felony murder aggravated assault false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony gregory mcmichael was found guilty of all but that count of malice murder and then william bryan jr was convicted on six of nine charges all now face up to life in prison though notably on top of all that all three still face federal hate crime charges well there's so many different things stemming from i mean when this horrible thing happened that that stick out in my mind one of those will definitely be when travis mcmichael was found guilty we the jury find the defendant travis mcmichael guilty that woo i imagine just had to be the nail in his emotional coffin you and two others are the reason that there is a man no longer on this planet And the moment that justice was served someone said woo that's how the majority of people feel about you forever going away travis but that said we still do have to wait for the sentencing and until then uh, i'll pass the question off to you what are your thoughts here yeah ultimately that is where that story and today's show ends of course whether it be that last story the first one anything in between i'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below also remember if you're looking for an excuse to avoid conversation look at your phone go to beautifulbastard.com get in on the christmas drop because I'm like my show and none of those things are coming back next week but hey with all that said of course as always my name's philip defranco you've just been filled in i love yo faces i'll see you soon and happy thanksgiving